When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Attention BetMGM customers. Have a friend who loves sports as much as you do? Here's a chance for both of you to earn a $50 bonus when they sign up through BetMGM's Refer-A-Friend program. Just sign into your BetMGM account and click on the Refer-A-Friend program to send your friend a message inviting them to register a new account in the same state you use BetMGM in. Once your friend signs up and makes a deposit, they'll receive a $50 bonus. And once your friend places a bet with their bonus and the wager is settled, you'll receive a $50 bonus as well. Share the excitement and get a $50 bonus every time you refer a friend to BetMGM. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Must be 21 years of age or older to wager. Ohio only. New and existing customer offer. All promotions are subject to qualification and eligibility requirements. Rewards issued as non-withdrawable bonus bets. Bonus bets expire in 30 days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. When your entire life is online, you need more than just speed from your internet. Xfinity gives you reliable in-home Wi-Fi coverage, plus protection from Wi-Fi network threats. Check out our amazing offers on Xfinity Internet. You'll get fast speed and Wi-Fi coverage you can count on. Plus, get advanced security free with the XFi Gateway, so you can keep the connected devices in your home protected from network threats. Just log in and activate through the Xfinity app. Go online, call 1-800-XFINITY, or visit a store today to learn more. Restrictions apply. Winning comes in all shapes and sizes. Every day there's an opportunity for a win, just like scratchers from the Virginia Lottery. Everyday grab-and-go, everyday giftable, everyday fun. It's where anticipation meets instant gratification. And they're satisfying to scratch, no matter the outcome. Like the new Virginia Lottery Scratcher Colossal Cash. It's loaded with $100 to $500 prizes. Now, that's an everyday win. Drive to the nearest Virginia Lottery retail location and pick up a scratcher today. Odds of winning any prize, 1 in 3.21. For another episode of Film Study... Today, I'm joined by Ivan Evans. Uh, Coach, how are you doing today? I'm doing fine. How about yourself? Can't complain. Not at all, Coach. It's been a long time, and we, we had planned to have you on for that second postseason game in the AFC Championship. Unfortunately, it didn't work out that way. Right, right. Still still kind of upset about it, but you know, hopefully they live and they learn and they, they adjust and do better next year. Yeah, I hope so. I, I, uh, I hope this is another year where they, where they pick uh, – Later than 28. Let's put it that way. I think that's uh, if if they if they if they pick 29th to 30th, I'm probably not going to be that happy with it. But if they pick 31st or 32nd, I probably can't be that upset about it. Exactly. I agree 100%. All right. All right. So today we're going to talk about the offensive line. Coach, you you coach all kinds of high school football, but you certainly coach a lot of offensive line technique. Talk about it a lot in your in your videos online. So let's first talk tell people where they can find your work online. Um, on YouTube, you can find me at Sip to Tally Films, and I'm uh, that's where most of the film study is. Uh, I'm very active on Twitter at Coach Evans Nine, so either one of those places you can get to me in uh, in the comments. You can talk talk ball, and I'll kind of go back and forth with you. We can talk it out, whether you agree or disagree with what I have to say. It's a, he's a great Twitter follow, highly recommended, and uh, certainly give his YouTube's a, videos a chance. Uh, they're they're good too, and it's Sip to Tally S I P number two tally t-a-l-l-y uh anyway that's uh where and you're in you're in florida now coaching high school football yes sir a great guy be high school in, in tallahassee florida 
All right, very good. And you're right on the border, Central Time Zone, Eastern Time Zone. Where are you? We are uh, Eastern. We're Eastern. We're I'm about an hour from um, Central Time Zone. Drive an hour west, and we'll be in Central. All right, very good. I'm sure people here came to talk about football. We're going to talk about the offensive line a little bit this year. Obviously, this makes for a fairly big review. It's a it's a large group of players, obviously important group. And this is a group, though, that I think an overarching theme of this really has to be how much easier Lamar Jackson made their jobs in 2019. I would agree with that. His ability to extend plays made it a lot easier for them guys to to do what they do best, which, in my opinion, is run block. Yeah. So anyway, the, the that extension comes on both pass plays and run plays in a sense. I mean, run plays that go through the mesh point get delayed in terms of the handoff. The Those edge defenders, particularly the edge defenders on the read side, is frozen. Right. And that often gives an excellent opportunity for blocking to develop in the middle of the line, usually with a double team from a tight end, uh, a motioning tight end often, and then that creates some beautiful holes there and also allows Jackson time to pinpoint that read one of the big things we talked about, by the way, is Jackson's ability to read and just how special that is. Yeah, he, he does a good job of riding the, the mesh point all the way through and making the defender commit one way or the other. He's going to he's gonna stay and try to protect the edge or he's going to chase the running back. And he does a good job of just riding it out to the last minute and pulling it out. And when he hits it, he hits it down here, boy. Yeah. I, I've, you know, in watching him play and then we've got a, a, you know, in a control group, we have a control quarterback in in uh, Griffin, who's not totally dissimilar. Similar speed, even though Griffin's a little older at this point. Uh, and they both are using the mesh point and running off it. But the difference is Jackson is just uh, the best athlete I've ever seen in terms of reading opponent leverage. He's just remarkable. And and for me to compare him to others, I have to go to play to to. You know, some of the top athletes in other sports, Muhammad Ali, Michael Jordan, you know, some of the great point guards, like Oscar Robertson, you know, from a long time ago comes to mind as, as a player who could read opponent leverage extremely well. But I, I just we're talking about the, the greatest athletes in history when we talk right. about that. The, the only person I've seen run the football like him is Barry Sanders. Mm-hmm. And Sanders didn't have the advantage of the mesh point right. to, to time that up with the opponent leverage he could read. Yeah, but once he get once he gets in the open field, there's no one that I can think of that moves quite like him, uh, other than Barry Sanders. Maybe a Gale Sayers, maybe. But yeah, no quarterback know, ever. Those are exactly the two names I had in mind. You know, Gale Sayers and Barry Sanders. Those are the two. Yeah. Yeah, just it, games all about making other people miss, and that's what those guys did it exceptionally well. And, uh, you know, it's just it, it, it's just a remarkably dangerous record uh, weapon in the hand of a quarterback. We're, we're here, though, to talk about the offensive line. So let's maybe start talking about them one by one. Okay. Maybe a little bit about how they take advantage of, of who Jackson is as we go through this. Uh, Ronnie Stanley had a great year. Uh, obviously, his first all-pro berth and a Pro Bowl uh, as well. Uh, I thought, you know, he, PFF had him with a, just a remarkable year in terms of pressures allowed. I use a slightly different standard, and my, I, I don't have him graded quite as highly as a pass blocker as that. I have him for a, a fair number of pressures on the year quarterback hits and, and uh, 1. 1 and 5 six sack as I divide them out. Mm-hmm. Uh, still an outstanding year, still thoroughly deserving of, of the all-pro selection at left tackle. Um, what I like most about him is that his feet are so good, he gives up a little bit on the bull rush, but he's much less likely to get beaten to the outside when pass blocking. I agree. I, I don't put a lot of stock in PFF because they don't uh, let us know how they they come up with their numbers. So I put more stock into your numbers than I do theirs. And I agree with you. Even though he was rated as high as he was with PFF, as a whole, our O-line is not the greatest pass blocking but they to me they're by far the best run blocking line so that that, as much as we run the ball kind of covers up that but stanley individual had what i thought a great year yeah great because he's good in space not only uh protected protecting that edge when we do have to pass he's uh he's like on the jet sweeps and and all those outside runs he gets out there and he's super athletic and finishing blocks and not just running and missing people yeah 
I, I, uh, I hear what you're saying. You're a little bit out of sync, so I'm having trouble reading your lips, kind of like uh, Jackson and Leverage, if I was just a little bit off here. But anyway, uh, I agree with you. And Jackson, uh, sorry, Stanley really uses his feet very well to get downfield and make level two and level three blocks that you rarely see from a tackle period. One of the things that shows up in my system is tackles get charged with a lot of missed blocks on the backside of run plays because it's hard for them to get into space and make an effective interception of, of anybody, even a cornerback or whatever, that can really help you turn a 10-yard run into a 30-yard run a lot I agree. of the time. Hey, like a lot of guys get out there and just run, and they're just out there. He actually, like you just said, he gets the block to, to spring another 20, 30, 40-yard run. Uh, let's see. What else do I want to say about uh, about him? I I do really like the fact that when he is pass blocking, he when he gives up that bull rush, it's the less significant. It's a lot less significant with him giving up a bull rush pressure than it is with, say, Flacco in the pocket. If Flacco in the pocket on the blind side of pressure from there would, would tend to disrupt things. With Jackson, first of all, he has some backside awareness that's that I think is at a good level, meaning he, he escapes to the front side of that pocket well when he feels motion behind him closer. And so even when the cone is getting disrupted in terms of, of Stanley given ground, I think Jackson's done a good job of escaping. And he escapes both right and left. Sometimes mm-hmm. he escapes by looping back to the left. He's had some big runs, particularly against that Arizona game earlier in the year, uh, where he turned pressures into big runs. Right. And he, he does a good job also stepping up now, more, way more than he did in the first uh, his first year. So when, when, he, when Stanley does happen to get beat on the edge, Lamar does a good job of stepping up in, in the pocket also. So along with him getting, not necessarily getting beat, but just giving up pressure, those three guys in front are doing a little better job of giving them room to step up. So that's helping Stanley out, also, helping Stanley and Zussard also. Yeah, that's, that's, that's a good point, and I agree. It's it's a uh, he, He's, he's kind of learned to step into whatever space is available to him in the pocket. And, you know, there's other quarterbacks who can do that. Deshaun Watson has the mobility, but he just can't keep his eyes down the field. We right. saw that in the game against Baltimore. I mean, the the, uh, the ability of Jackson to keep his eyes down the field was very special this year while moving around in the pocket. And Deshaun definitely, if you if you hit this early, he's going watch to watch the rush the rest of the game. <laughs> All right. Okay, well, let's move on. We'll talk about Bradley Bozeman a little while. I was very happy with the way Bradley progressed during the season. I, I agree. I, I, You know, I was a big – I was thinking Ben Powell was going to take that job from him, and Bradley proved me wrong completely. He did a great job of of just maintaining. Not, And he didn't do – in my opinion, he didn't do anything great, but he just – he did his job. And he would beat from time to time. But, you know, that's occasionally you're going to see that. But as, as a whole – he did a great job of anchoring that that line um, in his, his position. I thought so too. I, I the first after six weeks of the season, he actually had not played that well. And I kind of want to give a little bit of history, although people have heard it before occasionally on this show. But Bozeman to give up by my count three point six seven sacks, three and two thirds sacks in those first six weeks. That's a lot for a guard. That is a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, and he, I thought he was in danger with the Seattle game being the last before the bye of losing his job. The last four games at, at left guard, he bid F, B minus, D, D. And I thought if he had another bad game against Seattle, they might have had to make the move to Powers at that point and just decided to, to roll with somebody different. And then he pulled off his best game of the year at Seattle. Mm-hmm. He, he got an A, and then for the rest of the season, uh, he was very good. And he finished the last eight weeks of the season with grades of all B or better in every single game. So he, he really had a fine year and, and it's, it's trending well. I mean, I remember Stanley's rookie year, he had kind of a rough first half and then he had a, a unbelievable second mm-hmm. half of that season. And, and it's nice to see that from Bozeman in his uh, first year of, of playing a lot of snaps. And how good was it for him to, to pick his game up knowing that there was a, a second team guy playing beside him? Yeah. I, I, I mean, you're talking about McCary now. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I agree. I, I think that was good. I, you know, a lot of his problems early in the year, I thought were lateral mobility issues. And I'll, I'll tie this back into McCary in a second, mm-hmm. because I think he was trying to do too much to hand off guys on stunts mm-hmm. to hand them over, particularly to the left, to Ronnie Stanley. Yes. Um, yeah. And then and then moving back, and he's having difficulty. When, when I noticed him doing that early in the season, too. And what he was doing was instead of keeping his shoulders square, he was just turning his shoulders. He was diving too much into that. He was trying to, like you said, trying too hard to, to pass a guy over, getting his shoulders turned. And then when that, that stunt came back, 
he couldn't get back. He didn't have, like you said, the lateral quickness to uh, get in front of the stunt, whoever was stunting, whoever was looping, rather. Right. And the the inside guy is always the primary responsibility of of that inside player. So he's got to, mm-hmm. you can't let the inside rusher come free, even if you have to just chip effectively on that guy who's hitting that left B gap in this case. Right. He he's a professional, so he he should know that if somebody goes away from him, something's coming. Yeah. Just, just play with your eyes. Yeah, yeah. There you go. Um, you know, coming out of Alabama, a lot of questions about him as a zone blocker that he would be too slow for that. And you know, those naturally those kind of questions evolve into does he have the mobility at all to climb to level two to pull properly? I was very pleasantly surprised with his mobility, and I think a lot of those questions have gone away from me. If um, if you can recall, wasn't he our primary puller? Yeah. Oh, yeah. We're right-handed, so he's mm-hmm. he's definitely left-to-right pulls primarily. Mm-hmm. So he he that that might have been what he was best at. And not thinking back on it, that might have been you know the 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 best part of his game. I like that. I like to move into level two though too. I mean, Bozeman had a very good pull rate throughout the season. Uh, the the best guy in recent years from left to right has been Ben Grubbs. Um, Yanda was never the never as great a puller, although he was very good, as he has been opening that front gate on the pull. He's the, he's being the pivot guy of, of of getting you know making sure the left side of that hole is taken care of uh, has really been what he's done so well for all these years. But, uh, but yeah, I agree. Bozeman was good. Um, and Yanda has made other guys look really good from that left guard position, including James Hurst when he played there in 2017. And, you know, giving guys the space to get through a hole and make a block in level two. And, you know, it's, it's sad because the season ended uh, effectively on a fourth. and Well, it was it was one of the plays that brought him down against the Titans was the first fourth and one at the 45 yard line. And it was a tentative pull by Bozeman on that play that was kind of the most costly element of that. That probably cost them not to be able to get that first down. And uh, it, it's sad to see after such a good season of pulling effectively. Yeah, that's those two fourth downs were were massive despite whose fault they were they just they just they left a, a bad taste in my mouth yeah huge uh, huge end of the season there now a question coming up for Bozeman will be is he likely are the ravens likely to try and move him to center uh, uh, next year now we get, we get back to you asked the question or talked about McCarry's play early and him picking up his play despite the fact that he's playing with a second teamer in terms of the guy at center who's who's definitely not quite as good definitely a step back from Skura in terms of ability mm-hmm. uh, you know and and frankly missed a lot of blocks as well which which you know they can end up being opportunities perhaps for Bozeman to help uh, most of the time it's just a matter of you know is does the a gap then become a highly targeted area even more so when you go from Skura to McCary uh, that left a gap definitely away from yonder definitely yeah. becomes a, a, a more targeted gap. But he, Makari did an okay job. He, he yes, he was beat on sometimes. I think he got overpowered and, and maybe flung out of the way, for lack of a better word, sometimes. But as a whole, he he did an okay job. Not great, you know, bad at times and good at times. So to me, he just falls in that okay category. And he did enough to to keep us rolling. Yeah, I would agree that uh, he, he comes into this next year as the as the incumbent center. Mm-hmm. And I, 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 I probably expect him to have the role. I don't think Skura is going to be ready to start the season. It doesn't appear that well. Uh, you know, it was a fairly late injury, and it seems like it's a very serious injury. It reminds me in terms of, of all of the elements of it, PCL, MCL, ACL, we're all torn, that it's more like a Nico Siragusa type injury. Mm-hmm. And that kept him out quite a long time. But but McCary, I, I you know, to echo some of the things you said, I, I really like this physicality. The problem is those, those short arms show up in the scoring a lot and they show up with the action verb shed on my score sheet. <laughs> it shows up pretty regularly when longer arm defensive tackles tend to get their arms on them. And most of those guys down in there do have the longer arms. Most. Yeah. Yeah. They, uh, they certainly can be tall. McCary himself is fairly tall, but uh but uh, it doesn't translate to that same, you know, normal basketball wingspan and height are the same way you, you, you often hear, but that's not the case in his, uh, in his case. Exactly. All right. Um, you know, when I look back at his college career, of course, he was a left tackle at California and he made it work with very short arms. So is it reasonable to assume 
he can improve again at the pro level or make do with what he has to try and improve his ability to not be shed? Or is it more likely that the word is out on him and other defensive linemen around the league are going to really try and take advantage of that fact, whether it's with one arm or two, to try and get long versus a player like McCary? First off, I want to say he was a Pac-12 left tackle, which mm-hmm. is totally different from a SEC or yes. a Big Ten <laughs> left tackle. So him, he probably he could make it work in the Pac-12 because the line play out there is not as great as it is in the the two main O-line D-line conferences, which is the Big 12 and the SEC for me. So that's probably why he made the move to center because he's not as good of a line, exterior lineman. So um, and you know with his hands whatnot, the word may be out. I mean, I personally have a plan to fix that. But I don't think um, EDC is going to listen to me. <laughs> but um, with his arms, as, as long as the, the book is out there and he's still in there, he's going to have to play with great leverage to, to make up for those arms. He's going to have to get in there with great leverage, use his feet to, to come combat guys trying to just press him and butt him out the way. To get, get to the body quickly. Mm, yes, get, get as tight and as close as he can and hold. Uh-huh. A jer- jersey hold, arms yep. on. Yeah, try to get those hands up under that the the breast of that shoulder pad. Okay, that's I mean that's the goal for any lineman, I guess. It, it's just like it seems like he's he's Frazier trying to fight Ali in terms of the relative size and having the punishment he has to take and the risk he has to take of getting shed in yes. order to get inside. And those those D linemen just constantly jabbing him, constantly jabbing him. All right. All right, well, I, I, hopefully he'll he'll be back. I, I You know, I liked his physicality. I really did like his anchor as a pass blocker. That's really not the issue, I don't think. In fact, he might have the best anchor that we've mm-hmm. had at center in quite some time. I uh, agree with that. But, uh, but yeah, it's, uh, I do worry about, about what's going to happen next year. Um, so, Matt Skura, let's talk about him because, obviously, health is the major concern. We talked mm-hmm. a little bit about the, that and what the injury is. Um, I thought he really took a, a step forward in terms of his play before the injury. Right. I, I think he was playing great before he got hurt. I think he was playing a, a, a great brand of football, a, a mean, nasty brand of football, uh, a, a tough brand of football that I didn't think he could do. I, I just, I, I didn't. But he, you know, last year when I had the video that he wasn't the problem, he was the, he was average. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't mean that negatively. He was, he was good at doing what was asked of him. He, did, he didn't blow anybody off the ball. He didn't give up a ton of situations. He just he was okay. He was okay. Yeah, I, I'm I'm with you. I thought and it was a C minus Exactly C minus. I think this year he was trending toward toward B minus B level, yeah. and then he got um his his injury situation. Yeah, I I agree. I I, I go along with that completely. I probably put him at a C plus, but that's a big step forward. And to me, the decision coming up this off season would have been: do they extend him early? Because, you know, you have a player you're happy with, you probably can get him at a reasonable price. I mean, we just saw what they signed Chuck Clark for. That really seems like a bargain, considering right. where he is. And I think Matt Skura got would have gotten maybe a similar contract uh, and, and could have been the center for four more years with the Ravens. And now this injury, obviously, you know, throws a big monkey wrench into that. And I, I, I really hope my, Matt lands on his feet, both figuratively and literally, down the road and is able to, to make some money at this game. He's worked very hard at it. And... Uh, He's a player who I, I, I really hope is able to come back from this injury. Yeah, me too. like you said earlier, I don't think he'll be ready to open the season. Maybe midway point, but I don't think he'll be ready to open the season. That's a that was a big injury late in the season. Yeah, one of one of the things we saw in terms of his play that didn't work out in, as well as I would have hoped in 2019 was his shotgun snapping. And mm-hmm. and if you remember back to camp. Uh, we talked about this a little bit, I think maybe in the preseason, you know, preseason show, but he, he had McCary was taking all of the seven on seven snaps in camp. Now that may have been because McCary did not have a lot of experience at center and they mm-hmm. wanted to make sure that he could make shotgun snaps when he would have to make a lot if he's the backup center. Mm-hmm. So maybe they already knew where they were going with plan wise at that point. Uh, but, but it also maybe denied Skura some of those and, you know, he wasn't ideal in that. The entire season. I mean, he, had, he was a little bit off, a little bit scattershot, a little bit high and outside for a lot of the year. Jackson generally pretty good at receiving the ball, but every time that shotgun snap is not online, it makes it more difficult to the quarterback to reacquire the field. 
Yes, it and throws the whole the whole feel of the timing and everything off. It it throws his eyes off because now he has to look down at the ball instead of scanning the you know whatever his reads are. And then that's it makes everything a, a snap a snap slower in the NFL. You no know, snaps count. Yep, completely agree. All right, let's move on to obviously one of the biggest question marks of this offseason, which is Marshall Yonda. Uh, I think everybody is still pretty damn happy with his play. Mm -hmm. I don't think there's any question about that. Uh, Maybe he's not quite the same dominant player that he was, but I'll tell you, here's something that I think is really interesting. I mentioned there's a different standard that PFF and I use for assigning a pressure. And I, I basically say the cone has to hold up for three seconds. They say two and a half. Mm-hmm. And you wouldn't think that's a big difference, but it is. It shows up in every player as like more pressures uh, on uh, are counted on, on my system. Well, Yanda had only a couple of additional, I think it's one and a half additional pressures on my system above PFF. He had zero quarterback hits in either system. And oh, wow. then I have him for two and two and a third sacks, which do, they are quarterback hits, I understand, but, but they're, they're sacks uh, uh, on, in my system. So anyway, the point I'm making is Marshall Yanda was hardly worse between a two and a half and a three second standard. And that is really special. Yes. <laughs> Come back, please. Yeah. <laughs> he to be a, to be a guy that's um, thinking about retirement. He hasn't fallen off a cliff at all. You know, most of the guys wait till they kind of it's obvious that they don't have it anymore. He, he still got it. And if his, if his desire, if his, his if his desire for the game is still burning, uh, his his want tos there. I, I you know I hope he comes back because he um, will solidify a big hole. Because if he does not, then I think our whole draft strategy should change. Yeah, you, you'd you'd have to put interior offensive line much higher on the list of needs. Mm-hmm. Um, what do you think about Powers? Let's talk about that since we're really talking about what the future of the offensive line is because he only he was inactive for a Mm -hmm. lot of the season I don't know about you but it had me concerned about what the coaches were either seeing at practice or what kind of injury situation might have been hiding yeah I agree with you I I don't know if it was you or uh, somebody else I talked to about him Um, we didn't know if he was didn't couldn't pick up the playbook or was he not strong enough or couldn't figure out what it was and then you know the game that we saw together in Pittsburgh the snaps he got he was phenomenal. Yeah, he was he was really good. And, and you know, they had him at right guard in that game. For some reason, they're splitting the time between him and Andrew in, the, in that game. Why is my question now? I, you know, it, it, <laughs> one of them, one of these ones is not like the other. One of them is not part of your future plans. The other right. definitely is in terms of being right. a second-year player. I don't know why he wouldn't have played the whole game. But anyway, it was what it was. He made 25 out of 29 blocks in that game. That was one wet day. I'll tell you what, right. but, but watching Ben Powers play was worth it. It was. It, it, he did a great job in, in the snaps he was in. Uh, played with leverage. He, he played like the video I did suggest he played in co- his college film. And I just, I don't know what it was that kept him not only not playing, uh, being inactive for, fif- uh, what, 15 of 16 games. But I think that, that what they were trying to do, and this really only became apparent at the very end. So they had, at, at times, they had either Grassu and Hurst, and I think that might have been the most common combination, or they had McCary and Hurst together active as the sixth and seventh linemen. And what they were trying to do is only make one change regardless of where that problem was. So if they if they if they'd had a problem at guard or a problem at tackle, it'd been Hurst. If they had a problem at center, it was going to be McCary. But okay. they didn't want to make two changes along the offensive line with their complicated scheme and all the things gotcha. they have to do. So I think that was it. And because and, of Hurst's uh, versatility. And the, theoretical versatility, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Should we talk about Hurst now? Yeah, we can talk about Hurst for a quick <laughs> second. Um. You know what sticks out in my mind, and, and it's really hard to even think about what uh, Hurst did this year, is the San Diego game the year before. That that still stands strong in my mind. So I have like this blue and gold blinders on when I talk about Hurst because all I can think about is, is Gordon and Bosa just coming over and over and over again. Mm-hmm. But he, he, he didn't play terrible. I just was biased. He didn't play terrible. I just I just was biased on on him for the year, so um you know I'm I'm content with what he did. He didn't have to play a lot. When he got in, he 
for the most part did what he had to do. But yep. uh, you know, I just got to get I got to get that 2017 or 18 out of my brain. Um, yeah. It's it's hard to believe. It was only 1 year ago basically or maybe 14 months ago now, but January of uh of 19. That's the worst individual game I've ever scored. The worst individual game for score that mm-hmm. I'd ever scored and it, and it it broke a previous record of his against JJ Watt in the second to last game of 2014 when the mm-hmm. Ravens almost blew their playoff spot down at Houston. So uh, it's, 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 it was a bad one. But, you know, talking about this year, to be fair, you know, the guy had some good play at guard two mm-hmm. years ago. Mm-hmm. And in, in 2019, he played well one game at left tackle and played not very well in the other game at left tackle. And honestly, that's about what you can expect to get. Right. I mean, it, I, I, it's, uh, you know, he had a, it was his second best game at left tackle against the, against the Jets. Um, and then he had a had a tough game against the Steelers in that finale when obviously the Steelers are very motivated and the and the Ravens have some people out and uh, it's not Lamar anymore back there so right. some different things on I'm 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 frustrated by the suspension uh, do you think that will impact his future with Ravens I do I do I think he he's going to open the door for guys to um, compete for his spot and um, him not being able to be around or you know, just compete for his spot itself could potentially, you know, lead to him being cut. If if they find somebody his at his level or higher and definitely younger, I think that could um, lead to him being cut. And you know, he didn't do it himself, do himself any favors with this suspension. Yeah, this is a, the, one of these times when I'm really upset that they allowed, took the chance with Gregory Sanat. And let him go because everybody knew that as soon as he went to the waiver wire that somebody was going to claim him. Mm-hmm. And sure enough, I think it was the Chiefs, but but whoever it was, they they did claim him. And the Ravens to me need a pure tackle backup. I'm I'm tired of having a swingman who isn't really able to play tackle effectively. Mm-hmm. And and that's uh you know I'm really hope if you know your biggest asset obviously is the quarterback right now your entire offense revolves around him to not have a guy on the blind side who you can have a little bit of faith in is pr- a pretty significant problem yes and, they're, they're um i think they're believing in lamar's legs a little bit too much <laughs> thinking you can put a guy over there that's not as dependable and lamar would just get out of it with his legs right Let's, you know, it's one of the things I noticed. I did a study of Lamar's hits, the hits Lamar took this season. Um, and one of the things that kept showing up is the really big hits he took, a lot of them anyway, were quarterback hits, meaning he's standing in the pocket compromised while throwing the football, and then you can take a really big hit. Much less likely while he's running that he gets hit in the most vulnerable areas and isn't either trying to get out of bounds and just, just getting pushed out or goes to the ground but, you know, not with a defender falling heavily upon him or with his um, impetus going in the opposite direction, which is when I think hits get really heavy and scary. Right. And I, I, outside of the pocket, I can only recall two, like, for, like really solid blows. One being the, the run he broke the rushing record on. He, yes. took, a nice, he took a nice lick on that one. Yeah. And one more early in the season, I don't really recall where it was, but I remember being two like for real hits outside of the pocket pocket and everything else that kind of made me cringe was inside the pocket. Yeah. Well, there's, there's a handful more. I'll, I'll talk about them a later date on a show about Lamar, but uh, I think this is a, a, you know, a topic we ought to put off, but I agree. It's it, Lamar did a good job of protecting himself for the year. And honestly, when you, when you see how many of his runs are either just run out of bounds, run out of bounds, barely touched, or even run out of bounds and push slightly and not go to the ground. I mean, it's just not very much. I mean, there's, there's not a lot of contact that whole year that's that's of a really dangerous nature. And that's, that's a good job for his well-being. <laughs> All right, let's move on. We'll, we'll talk about Orlando Brown now. Uh, you know, because I think of any offensive lineman, he probably gained the most from who Lamar is as a quarterback, his athleticism and, and the read option scheme. Yeah, I think a lot of the, uh, the runs, he didn't have to block the end. He goes straight to second level. He That's was right. double teaming, going straight to second level, and he didn't have to take care of those uh, the left end, whoever they may be. Um, so that that our scheme helped him out tremendously, and he I don't even think I won't say he was exposed because I think you know he's a little uh, slow of of foot as far as pass blocking, but when he gets his hands on you in the run game, you, you almost disappear. Yeah, 
Yeah, that's it's exactly right. And that's exactly the way I saw it is how you described it is, you know, he doesn't have that normal block to make on that left defensive end, on the guy on the right edge from the offense's point of view. Mm-hmm. He lets him in. He down blocks to, to help the defensive tackle set up that block mm-hmm. very, you know, for Yanda. Down blocks that defensive tackle. And then he moves up what's not even a full level. It's kind of like moving up half a level mm-hmm. because that that linebacker has to be scraping along the line of scrimmage to try and get to Lamar. And and all of a sudden, there's this monolith of a man in front of him. And that's, <laughs> he's very effective at exactly that and, and uh, very happy to see that. His missed block percentage for the year was very good for a right tackle also. And that's really telling me that he's finding a, a, a way to impose himself in level two better than he did as a rookie. That's good for him. Just his any growth we get from him is is gonna be great because he was raw. Mm-hmm. To me, I thought I thought he was a raw lineman coming in as a um, as a rookie. Uh, I think he grew as a rookie, but especially once he started started playing, uh, he took steps this year to be a better O lineman. I think he'll come back even better than he was this year, which would be great to have two tackles that you know as good as Orlando and and uh, Stanley are. Yeah, I, I agree. Orlando seems to be just a perfect complementary match for who Jackson is too. I, I, you know, hopefully the Ravens won't get down in games the way they did. But when they're when they're ahead or and it's tied and and people really other teams have to be very concerned about Jackson still running the ball. Uh, Orlando Brown you know, in pass blocking situation, even when fanned out a little bit, that that end is often mush rushing is what Michael Crawford calls it. But but two-gapping effectively their way to the quarterback. They're, they're trying to close both doors for Lamar to exit that pocket. And that that goes right into Orlando Brown's greatest strength, which is anchoring against the bull rush. Yep. If anything, he's going to have trouble with speed, maybe a spin move back to the inside. But if if you, if you if all you do is run right into him, I mean, boy, you're just doing him a favor. It turns into a run block. <laughs> it turns yeah. into a run block. Maybe, maybe give up a step, but once you, once you drop your hips and drop your butt, Hey, it's, it's, it's mano y mano. You know, we, I'm fighting pressure. There you go. All right. So we've been through most of the linemen here. I think we'd agree that Grasso and Ainger are both unlikely to return at this point. I, I think they have other options, and they'll draft people who, to get younger. I agree. So now the, the one interesting signing we had was Andre Smith. Now, I see the signing as more of a camp body, but I'd like to see what you think about that. I think he's a guy that's going to be given the opportunity to play. He's almost like an insurance policy. But I don't think he's better, you know, than anybody we talked. I don't even think he would be better than Hurst in any situation right now. I think he's like a a extra guy just in just in case of. Okay. So they have an injury or something and then he has to maybe become the backup in that situation, which would be bad enough. Yes. Uh, so I I I that that's that's a scenario I could certainly see happening. If I look at him and I'm I'm looking at the, the player that kind of reminds me of in terms of his chance to make the team, it's like Shane Ray last year. Mm-hmm. We didn't really know whether – there were three guys, McPhee and Ray, who seemed to play similar positions, and just there was a difference in ability there. There was a question of injuries. And then there, and the third was uh, Floyd, the wide receiver on offense. Mm-hmm. And so you had those three guys, and there was really only one roster spot for the three of them. And yeah. I, I think we're in that spot coming into this next year is either Hurst is going to maintain that extra tackle spot because he's the third mm-hmm. or Andre Smith is going to move up to be the third because somebody, one of those top three gets hurt. So uh, it's it's kind of a scary situation. The only way out of either of those situations, which I don't like really either of those outcomes, would be to draft a tackle who can really play tackle and has the feet to do it. Yeah, that, that drafting a tackle would be the answer to them, but... Um, it's not at, at where we at. It won't be very many good ones there. <laughs> yeah, you're not, you're not going to draft an offense, a left tackle, number one. They wouldn't do it anyway because of the positional need just isn't great enough. But but maybe they draft a developmental tackle again so they get another Gregory Sinat, a guy they like from a small school in the sixth round kind of thing. Actually, they don't even have a sixth-round pick, I don't think. But, you know, a late-round pick, maybe a five, that uh, a guy they like. Yeah, I don't think we have a six or a seven, but I do agree with what you said. All right. So, uh, what? Anything other points you want to make about the 2019 line? Things you saw maybe before we get on to like what you think the unit ought to look like for 2020. The biggest question is yonder. I can't really even go into like what it should look like for next year because 
Yonder is the Yonder is the 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 centerpiece. He he he's the to me he's the alpha on the line. He's the leader up there. He's the guy that that set the tone and actually he became a vocal this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, that really impressed me because you know all it's in the past has been raised, been sizzled. Yonder was the vocal guy, you know, leading the, the the team in you know pregame situations, and I really appreciated that. But as far as um, a wrap up on 2019, I was impressed with our run game. I think we should, you know, need to get a little better pass pro. But um, our run game was was awesome, like like just just awesome. And even when there were situations where we had to pass, we used the RPO stuff so good, so it was still like they were run blocking. It's it's it was just a magical season in so many ways, but it's it's amazing how little it might take for that not to be duplicatable in 2020. I'm just afraid, you know, that one injury, you know, Orlando Brown getting hurt, it could be something fairly, I won't say innocuous, but it seems like it shouldn't be the the only factor that would ruin the offensive line play, but it could be. You know, yeah. that, that, you know. The only thing that um I would um give to the fans is our O-line was so good last year that it's going to be hard-pressed to duplicate that. While, you know, and, and regular season-wise, we we may or may not have a, as good a record we had, but we can maintain and then excel in the playoffs. But it's going to be tough, tough, tough to duplicate the greatness they displayed running the ball in 2019. Well, I agree. It was a historic offense, and Lamar in particular had one of the greatest seasons in NFL history. And, you know, we hear a lot about people saying he's only going to get better. I hate that phrase, first of all. I just, I really hate it. You, you can't, I don't think you can look at Lamar's season in 2019 and project it towards any normal growth pattern. I think you have to look at it as a complete outlier because that's what it was. In the history of the National Football League, there have only been a handful of seasons as good. It may have been the single greatest season in the history of the league. Awesome. And, and and to, to expect growth from that, even though Lamar has areas to grow, he certainly mm-hmm. can get better in other ways. I think the rest of the league is going to catch up in some ways and figure him out in ways that, that we're not going to like also. Right. So if, if I've ever stated that phrase, it's been to grow on his, to work on his game, different parts of his game. Cause he ha- he does have some things like you said, he can work on. So if I've ever stated that, I don't think he can reproduce that season, but he can, you know, have a good season and be better throwing or using receivers, and we can be just as good. Yeah, to, to be clear here, I've never ascribed that to you. I see it all the time on Twitter, <laughs> but I've never ascribed that to you. I, you know, I, the, the thing I have ascribed, the thing I quote all the time for you is what one comment I really like that you made that, you know, when his speed drops off, and I think he's actually going to lose speed um, – uh, non-linearly over the years. There will be mm-hmm. some injury that comes up at some point and he'll lose some speed from that. And there'll be other things that make it more difficult for him to read that will cause him to lose some effective speed. But it, it, anyway, it, it's not, it doesn't mean it's going to happen right away this year. It, it's probably will happen over time. I certainly hope so. But the thing, the point you made was great is that when he does lose a little bit of speed, it'll be Russell Wilson. And that's exactly right. what will happen. He'll improve as a field general. Mm-hmm. He'll improve those other elements of his game. One thing, I mean, we, we haven't even talked about play fakes, but but that's not even really part of Lamar's game. And I'm, I'm not talking about play action. I'm talking about, like, making a, any kind of a ball fake. And mm-hmm. we did it. Everybody's looking. It's tremendously yeah. effective. <laughs> extremely. <laughs> extremely. When when we The few times we did it, mm-hmm. the defense basically went and tackled whoever the fake was to for the yeah. most part. Arizona week two, the first touchdown to Andrews was on a on a fake to Brown of just that type. Andrews opened by 15 yards mm-hmm. down that right sideline. It's uh, it was uh, embarrassing how open. And then to not have not have that come back and be part of the playbook. I mean, once per game. Come on, give it to us once per game. That's all I want. You, so. you would clamor for a play face like that, like I clamor for screens. Okay, all right, fair <laughs> enough. Got a receiver in 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 play here that I thought uh, in in terms of uh, Ingram. We did a much better job getting open for screen passes this year, not to get too much off topic. But that's a that's one of the keys to not having those quarterback be grounding on those plays is to make sure that the running back has a good sense of how to make himself available to the quarterback. Yeah, the, the, the football IQ of Ingram is, is underrated. 
guys, let's talk about 2020. Uh, you know, we talked a little bit about this already during the show, but to find a backup tackle who can really play left tackle and isn't just a swing man. I, I don't know about you. I'm really tired of swing man who they get here and he's, you know, he's projected as a possible tackle. And then the very first thing you say about the guy is maybe he'd be better at guard. Mm-hmm. You didn't draft the right guy. You didn't draft for the right characteristics if you're saying that that quickly. I agree. If you're going to get a tackle, get a tackle, like for real, a guy that's going to work at tackle exclusively. And that way, maybe that guy can play left and right if something happens. Yeah, or maybe you right, or maybe your right guard, well, not in our case. Most of the time, your right guard can go to left. I don't think Zeus can go to left. So whoever you draft would basically, you know, practice that left tackle and then can bounce over if something happens to Zeus at right. Yeah, I, I think they are committed to that single change right now. So I, I if, there'd be multiple reasons why Zeus wouldn't be the guy to go to the left side. But he, of course, did play left tackle at Oklahoma. Mm-hmm. And, and you know, it, it might be if you had to go without somebody for an extended period and you had to really make the change, get a bye week, come out, maybe he's the guy. Maybe you, right. maybe you change your offense and try and retool for that. Maybe we'd be left side heavy then. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> that, that might be what you, exactly what you'd have to do. Um, uh, you know, the other, the other thing is, is trying to get an interior offensive line player. And are you open to using pick number 28 on that is what I would do. Yes. Sorry, is what I'm asking. I've been waiting on this question. Yes, I think we should use pick 28 for interior lineman. I also have a person we should pick, Lloyd Cushenberry from LSU. Okay. He huh. he was he was their center. He has he does not he has longer arms than half the D lineman at the combine. Huh. And he can play guard. Where's he Where's he ranked in most people's top 50? Uh, as far as overall prospects, yeah, right around the forty somewhere mark. But so to me, he, he's he's high for value. Okay. Whether whether um, uh, Yonder comes back or stays, he could be in there. Okay, you got a lot of value that you would if you stretch with that first pick. My problem with it is that you give up a lot of value. And let me let me tell you what I mean by that. Uh, let me see if I can have this. Yeah, here's the chart. Okay, so the Ravens draft at number 28, and then they draft again at number 60. And mm-hmm. that first pick, and we'll talk JJ points right now, is worth about 660 points. Their total points available in this draft is only 1275. So that very first pick is approximately 52% of their total draft value. So if they if they were to jump up, if, they, if you think the guy's the 40th guy, then he's worth 500 and we're we're essentially expending 660 on him. If they do it without trading back, I'm afraid it's too much of a stretch. It's giving away too much value, effectively giving up a third round pick uh, in terms of the value to make that stretch. So I don't think I would do it for that. I think they'd have to, they'd have to have a couple guys along the draft that they would like. Uh, and, and, you know, you're, you may like this guy and, and, and the Ravens may like him such that he's a value at 28. That, mm-hmm. that may be the correct move. But if he's if he really is the 40th best on the Ravens big board, I don't think they can stretch to 28 to take him, even though it's an area of need. Yeah, I can understand that. Because my thinking was we could get um, if the linebackers that the linebacker edge guys that mm-hmm. we so we quote unquote want are not there at 28. I think I was thinking that guy could could go in first round and we could get the other guys there because I hear some people talking about receiver, but it's a ton of receivers. I heard yeah. there's some linebackers that I like that um, I don't necessarily think fit what we do. Like the two main linebackers that everybody have us picking, I don't think they fit what we need. I think I think they're outside guys. And um, so to me, Cushionberry just kind of evolved into what the guy that I would go with. But okay. I, I understand, you know, as far as you got to get the most out of your the few picks so we don't have a pick in every round. Right. They've they've got uh, you know they got four fourth round picks. In truth, those picks, those four fourth round picks, are approximately worth the difference between forty and twenty eight. That's mm. that's how much you know those 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 are worth. If if you look at if you believe in the JJ chart. Now I personally think that because DaCosta is so good with mid round picks and their small school scouting is so good mm. that they end up getting a lot more value out of those fourth round. I I, I treat them like gold. That's mm. why I love comp picks so much. But the but, uh, you know, a lot of people who think that the Ravens might be able to move up into the top 10 somehow to draft somebody, uh, you're dreaming, guys. It's, yeah. they, their total value is 1275 in this draft. The 10th pick, which belongs to Cleveland, is worth 1300 So if they traded every pick they had 
Cleveland might not do it. If they traded next year's number one, it might not be enough. This year's number one and next year's number one to move to 10 might not be enough. Yeah, I, I hear guys with all these different scenarios to jump up and get a Simmons or one of the, yeah. the big-time receivers. I, no, this is not uh, the Saints with Ricky Williams. Nobody in this draft, <laughs> nobody in this draft is worth all your picks. There's not one person out there that's worth all your picks. That's that is the golden boy though. Ricky Williams was traded for an entire draft of uh, <laughs> New Orleans players. Yes. All right. All right. Well, Coach, been a pleasure having you on again. And uh, uh, tell us again, tw- Twitter handle again is at Coach Evans Nine. Yes, at Coach Evans Nine. The um, it, not Instagram. The YouTube channel is Sip the Tally Films. S I P the number two T A L L Y and word films. All right. Make sure that uh, make sure that you're giving him a, a shout out on Twitter and add him to your list of followers. Make sure you look at his YouTubes as well. Outstanding, very wise football coach. I love having him on. I love talk football with you, coach, anytime. Uh, and uh, pleasure as well this time. Also want to put it out there for other people who want to do a film study short this offseason. Contact me. If you have a study you've done, we just did one on draft valuation that I thought was very interesting in terms of people, a guy who has a formula for building a mock board that looks back to past by position drafts to try and assign a value to that amongst what's done on a big board. So it's, it's a it's a, a well-done start to an idea uh, that, that's out there now. And, uh, and if you have your own study, happy to talk you through it. And you do the presenting. I'll ask a few probing questions about it and, and hopefully get your, uh, your idea publicized in a, in a new format. Anyway, appreciate your listening as always. And folks, we'll see you next time on Film Study. I appreciate you. Have a good one. Birdland Sports. For fans, by fans. Find more great shows like this at birdlandsports.com. If you have a family relying on your income, you need life insurance. But finding the best quote shouldn't take a lifetime. That's where Policy Genius comes in. In minutes, Policy Genius could save you 50% or more simply by comparing quotes from America's top insurers. Once you apply, the Policy Genius team handles all the paperwork and red tape. To save on life insurance and get protection for you and your family, head to policygenius.com today. Winning comes in all shapes and sizes. Every day there's an opportunity for a win, just like scratchers from the Virginia Lottery. Every day grab-and-go, every day giftable, every day fun. It's where anticipation meets instant gratification. And they're satisfying to scratch, no matter the outcome. Like the new Virginia Lottery Scratcher Colossal Cash. It's loaded with $100 to $500 prizes. Now, that's an everyday win. Drive to the nearest Virginia Lottery retail location and pick up a Scratcher today. Odds of winning any prize, 1 in 3.21. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.